You are listening to the Culture Impact Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you uncover what really transforms workplace culture and business results. Welcome to our very first episode of what we're calling the Culture Impact Podcast. Yes, I like it. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, so I thought like no better way for us to kick off than to have a conversation, introduce you as one of the co-founders of ND Culture. Uh-huh. And uh, maybe you can see uh, say a few words in a minute. What our plan is that we're going to be running a series of diversity and inclusion events, which we will also make available as part of a podcast series. Uh, so we have some exciting guests lined up over the next uh, two or three months. Mm-hmm. But you and I, Matt, we've been working a little bit on this for the last couple of months, uh, meeting with HR leaders, diversity and inclusion leaders, mm-hmm. as well as learning and development. And we have been exploring what some of the challenges and the opportunities are around diversity and inclusion and inclusive workplace interventions. Mm-hmm. And I thought like it'd be great to just have a chat with you, get your yeah. thoughts, and I'm happy also to share any thoughts that I have so yeah okay so it's been really interesting this journey hasn't it because we've you know when I wouldn't say we are uh, equality diversity inclusion specialists at all you know we're we specialize in culture consultancy and um, one of the things that I'm always interested from an organization development point of view is whether initiatives work or not and what are the conditions for initiatives to work and what are the conditions where they don't work and so from a culture perspective this was really tying into one of our focus groups uh, for engagement you know how how are employees engaged in the organization you know what's our internal brand if someone went out of the organization or to their friends how do they talk about the organization are they proud um, are they proud of what it stands for? Mm. And so we've had an interesting two years of lockdown and the impact of Black Lives Matters. And before that, the run up with the Me Too movement to really question what are the values of organisations and how are they expressed? And I think that is also leading in more and more to investors mm. in terms of the um uh the environmental societal and uh, governance esg conditions in which people invest into organizations um so we're starting to see a really questioning of the values of organizations how they work and a brand loyalty associated with them that leaders are having to address more than they've ever had to before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really interesting. It's like, um, yeah, so there's more attention from investors from an ESG perspective and the role of, of inclusion and diversity within that and the, and the values that exist within an organization. What, what do you see as, um, as the challenge for leaders, do you think, around addressing diversity and inclusion within the workplace? I think the first issue, the first challenge for a leader is, do they recognize that diversity and inclusion is important? I think that that's the very first question because ultimately 
when anyone is working in the business and loads of people know this, the conversation comes down to bottom line. You know, is bottom line affected mm. by um, issues of equality, diversity and inclusion? And I think that's complex and it's different for every organisation depending on where they are and what they're facing. There have been so many studies done on how a diverse organisation will improve results, will improve performance, will improve uh, uh, the way in which an organisation works. That isn't being translated through though, into a lot of leaders. They can't see the benefits of it. I think there's, there's levels that organisations will go to as well. So representational diversity is becoming more and more important in organisations. It's more important to employees to see their local areas ethnically being represented yes. in organisations. The question then is, once you've got representational diversity in your organisation, do you have true diversity? So are people from ethnic minorities, uh, are women, are LGBTQ, are disabled people being promoted as much as other um, more privileged status employees in the company. Uh, so basically, are you walking your talk? And I think that's the one big issue leaders really need to face. They need to face their own biases, um, their own challenges on recognizing those, those biases and coming to terms with what that means for the organization as a whole. So an example for this, uh, Johnny, is we were talking to um, someone at an, uh, an EDI conference and it was a, a HR director of a theater in the UK. And she was saying that the awful events that happened with Floyd George sparking the Black Lives Matters movement led the organization to respond to that. So communication went out about how supportive the organization was of the Black Lives Matters movement. And then the question was, what happens after this? Yeah. So what does this actually mean to us as individuals? And what does this actually mean to organizations? And what do we need to do on that? So they work with some consultants mm. uh, and that really questioned what their values were as, as, a, as an organization, as an individual, as a, as a group of a, the board and what they wanted for their theater. And they came to the decision that they wanted to become an anti-racist organization. Wow. That has huge issues for the organization in terms of the way in which it works, what it will tolerate, what it won't tolerate, um, which is a huge thing in culture mm -hmm. about what, what, what do we, what do we actively support? What do we tolerate? What do we turn our blind eye to? And what do we stop doing? Those four things basically um, will define a culture. And so to have a value of anti-racist as a core of your culture impacts so much of, your, of the way in which you engage people and you manage people. So, mm -hmm. uh, and, but more importantly, one of the other things is then your communication out to the rest of the world, to your, all your stakeholders, your customers, your suppliers, the local area, et cetera. 
and it, it defines who you are and your identity. It changes quite a lot, just that one little change of, of values. So mm -hmm. I think that's what many leaders are, are dealing with at the moment, mm -hmm. but not just in terms of um, ethnicity, but also gender, um, LGBTQ, disability, etc. So ageism is a huge thing in organizations at the moment, obviously. So I think, I think we're all trying to get a handle of, we want to do right by our staff. We want to do right by our groups. How do we do that and maintain momentum, even when aspects of the organization may start taking over, like increased innovation or, mm -hmm. um, or having to downsize, uh, et cetera. And, and, and I think that's the real challenge, basically, to try to keep the pedal on it. And also look at what incentives, um, what incentives, what initiatives we take are the right ones for mm. us at this point in time. Yes, yes. The, the behaviours as well. I think listening to you there, Matt, one of the points that came out from a meeting that we had was many leaders actually struggle with having the right kind of conversations. They, they don't have the confidence to speak about diversity and inclusion. They're, they're afraid a lot of the time. You know, where do you start with this? I'm afraid to talk about diversity and inclusion. Yeah. And I think it's always on the, I think one of the issues is at the moment is offence, you know, and how we get offended by things. So, and we don't want to offend other people, but the, the, there's, there's two things really going on, offence and forgiveness. And, and, and one of the problems with that is power. Once you put power into the mix, if someone says something remotely offensive to someone who works for them, then is that bullying? Is this a, is this a microaggression, et cetera? Um, and I think uh, for me, there's a, for me, and this is me talking personally, there's an ability for us to think very binary about things, yeah? So they're either with me or they're not. That comment was meant to offend me. Did it offend me? Did I express that it offended me? Could that person have done something different? Do we give them a right to redeem themselves? There's all sorts of stuff that goes on in a very, very simple conversation between two people. Mm -hmm. So and so I think this is one of the areas that we really, that I'm quite passionate about. Mm. that we need to create safe spaces for people to express themselves about equality and diversity. It's difficult because we don't want people to be re-wounded. We don't want people to, mm. you know, go through any past trauma that they've had about their, their minority statuses effectively. It mm. is what they are. So we want to do it in a way that's sensitive to all kinds of people. There's a brilliant model that I always use, you know, as Johnny, you know, we love psychology here and we love to help people um, realize how psychology impacts them. But there's a very famous model. It's uh, the rescuer, persecutor, victim model, which is a fantastic little model to use that we all go around and, and play games around it. So who is the persecutor? Who is the rescuer and who is the victim? And literally, I think that's the one we need to bring into light in, in this case for EDI because uh, we can go to one of those different roles quite easily uh, with this conversation. The idea is to lift ourselves out of that triangle and look at things on a much more broader spectrum to be able to have a better discussion.
uh, and you don't just fall into, well, they agree with me, they don't. So, What I love about what NDC do is, is this working with the individual, you know, helping the individual to understand themselves first as part of a developmental journey. And, and that when applied to diversity and inclusion, I mean, you're, the, the problem I see is that people are trying to boil the ocean. You know, when it comes to DNI, it's like you've got LGBT plus one quarter, you've got female leadership the next. You know, is that really inclusion? Is that really diversity? How is this tackled in a holistic way, in a way where people almost by default are inclusive? Because you made the point, you know, diversity, there's a full spectrum and Someone could be disabled, someone could be gay, some other characteristic could reside within that one individual. It's not just a category of you're in this box and you're in this box. Um, and I think there's a lot of confusion around the topic. Yeah, I think it's I think it's incredibly complex at the moment. And I think I think with time and pressure groups and people who campaign, then we get further on with the point that we're looking at. So for example, you know, uh, if we take um, gender, gender is a fascinating topic because we, if we go down, you know, binary views, male, female, then yes, we've still got gender issues to address on pay, on uh, rights, on uh, equality that exist even in that binary set up even before we then go to non-binary and about how men and women react to anyone who is trans. So I think the evolution of consciousness of each of these topics is quite, um, is complex in itself, yeah? So yeah, which, 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 which one do we start with first? Do we start with women? Do we start with ethnicity? Do we start with LGBTQ? Which do we do? And how effective can we be on each of the initiatives that we're looking at? Yes. So what, I mean, so Johnny, you said, you know, inclusion is kind of like human. I, I kind of like, the, the, it's interesting because diversity is, human so we try to get more diverse but diversity in itself doesn't cause inclusion mm. i would argue diversity can cause exclusion mm. and, and what i mean by that what's interesting is the effectiveness of some of the um, employee networks groups that have been brought in and we've heard from a number of people haven't we that you know okay we've got an employee network group they're going to look at LGBTQ issues. We've got another one on gender. We've got another one on ethnicity. And, and, and that's great. And then no one else needs to think about it. So these groups themselves, mm. even though they express the diversity of the organization, are becoming marginalized. And the other parts of the business don't really need to think about it because they're, they're dealing with it. It's fine. It's okay. Mm -hmm which is not really the point. The point is that the whole organization can embrace and include all the diversity that they see. So why is inclusion so difficult? Well, inclusion, because it's human nature to, to really understand why 
a tribe is important to us. And when I say tribe, this can be anything. So one of the things I'm loving at the moment, looking at um, what is identity for people, mm. is what are the categories of identity that we could look at? Well, you know, so you've got gender, uh, you've got um, ethnicity, but ethnicity is fascinating because what does that actually mean? And how does that tie into nationality? Mm. How does that nationality tie in with continentalism, which we've seen, you know, very recently? I talked to a friend from, from who sees themselves as African, mm. but they've still, they still recognize themselves in their Zimbabwean mm. kind of nationality as opposed to a Nigerian nationality. They, they don't see that. So yeah. continental inclusion is fascinating mm. and then you've got you know obviously sexuality you've got um disability slash uh, physicality mm. so you know someone who say has eating disorders yes you know may not identify themselves as having a disability at all you know that, that isn't a disability however it's such a strong part of <clears throat> who they are and what they identify with illness mm. um, can mm. be in this category um, but that we, we just keep going on Johnny because then you've got class you know money politics football you know sports. so if you think about all the people you know and what really is important to them yes and what defines them as as a person it can be any of those things so you know being a a, a, a man city fan or a liverpool fan or a Notts county fan whatever you are football wise may be more important than anything else for you yeah. you know and it's fascinating how that need for belonging and similarity and to know that someone is similar to you and shares your values and shares your beliefs is very, very strong. And so that can, that need can impact inclusion because we go to a, I'm right, you're wrong. So a very binary way of thinking. And it's this binary way of thinking about life, about others, which is, is part of the issue. It's in us all and it's becoming more conscious of that, more aware of that. You see it in blame, for example. You know, it's not me, it's them. Well, actually, it takes two people to make a relationship fail. Yes. So whether we like it or not, we can go into the victim triangle if we want to on this about who's the rescuer, who's the, who's the persecutor, who's the victim. But at the end of the day, that's the reality. So... Yeah, I'll just yeah. add in, Johnny, quickly. I've just checked. It's a guy called Stephen Carper in 1961 brought in Stephen what Carmen. he called Car Carmen, sorry. Carmen. In 1961 brought in the drama triangle. Love the drama, drama triangle. Well, and you've we'll got to try and get out of the drama triangle. We'll have to include that one, Matt, in the link. Um, I'm wondering, Matt, you, you mentioned there, and I'm, I'm realizing we're coming to the end of our time together. You mentioned consciousness and awareness and used the lovely example of any relationship. When you mention consciousness and awareness, if there was one small step you could give to, say, a leadership team, what would that be? You know I love one steps, Johnny, but I want to do two here for, for once. I think the first thing is you've got to understand 
the consciousness and inclusion in yourself. Sure. You know, what does this actually mean to you? You know, why, what are your values on it? What are your beliefs on it? Do you believe that you can change your organization? And that's the interesting thing. So this is then, as a board member, fine. Okay, you, you can look at your own division. You can decide what you want to do. But it, this then, then goes into groupthink. It's more important, obviously, for the CEO. But in the groupthink of the board, what do we actually value? What's important to us? And what do we want to drive in this organization? Not because of the customer, mm -hmm. not because of anything else, just because what do we believe in? And what are we going to stand for? And therefore, what do we need to do? So any kind of initiatives that are not sincere will fail. We know that because everything else comes in, in innovation, um, uh, uh, cost cutting, da, 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 da. it'll all come in and take them away. So I think it comes back to the core, core belief of what is this board gonna stand for? What is important to us? Mm. And what's the most interesting thing there is what are the differences between us and what we value as a board and how do we reconcile those differences in values as a board to go forward? That's great. That's so, great. you know, an example there would be, you know, it, it, if you took gender, for example, does the board believe that women and men should have the same opportunity in this organization and that there is a representative proportional um, mm -hmm. uh, proportionality at all levels of the organization. Yes. So, you know, is that something we really want to stand by That's or great. not? Let's have that discussion and let's have that debate. That's great. Great. Thank you. Finally, Matt, for anyone who's interested in these events that are coming up, how might they find out more information? Would it be through the ND Culture website or? Yeah, so they can go through the ND Culture website. Mm -hmm. All the details of the events will be on there. It's also on Eventbrite. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will be also advertising them on our LinkedIn profiles. Uh, please feel free to contact us, connect to us. Uh, it'd be lovely to hear your thoughts. Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, say anything at all that's uh, very any... Um, uh, cause insult to anyone in this podcast that was not the intent so please um, give me some grace and, fee, uh, and forgiveness if you are or, or, or send me a, uh, an email on LinkedIn to let me know if yeah. I have so I don't do it in the future um, but yeah that's how anyone will get in contact with us so yeah I'm just looking forward to be really really interesting event fantastic Matt thank you so much it was uh a joy to speak with you. Uh, pleasure, Johnny. Absolute you. pleasure. Thank you. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Culture Impact Podcast, brought to you by ndculture.com.